Who hasn't seen The Simpsons? I don't watch you. Oh, is he? I'm going to say, because I'd, I'd hope you'd understand that reference, Andy, because it would uh, but then I thought, oh, I don't know. Is it Andy that hasn't seen The Simpsons? But no, it's Stu. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that was why I said it. You maniac, <laughs> Stu. Like, the no, first no. ten seasons, you must watch. They are fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. But then after probably about season 13, just sack it off. All I know is, from the episode I saw the other day, the rest of the day was me going, Aurora Borealis. <laughs> and this time of year, <laughs> located entirely in your kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's great. I, I love them. Um, my favourite one is um, Super Nintendo Chalmers, when Ralph yeah. calls him that. that yeah, that's yeah. my favourite Simpsons quote ever. Me fail English? That's impossible. Hello and welcome to Cage Fighting. I seem to scream that for no real reason, but hello anyway, it's Andy Gillard here. Hope everyone's well. Hi everybody, Matt Guy. Hope you're all keeping safe. Hello everyone, let's just scream, why not? Why not indeed. Gentlemen, um, have we recovered from last week's film extravaganza? (laughs) I've been into the bit of Anne Summers where they can hurt you. After uh, <laughs> delving into 8mm and seeing uh, what's on offer. You, you understand it's... the uh, the section at the back of the shop now, do you? Do yes, you know yeah. yeah. Obviously, not a video feature, but I think this is appropriate. Stu <laughs> <laughs> oh, has got the Karma Sutra, um, the, the pop-up in, in... version, <laughs> and the front cover of it has, certainly looks like it's got a pop-up already on there. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Is that why you're walking with a limp, Stu? Yeah. Holy crap. Well, that's I feel just like... because I'm, I'm so well-endowed. <laughs> I feel like, Stu, you need to take some pictures from that and we'll put it out on the socials. <laughs> and speaking of the socials, make sure you follow us on Twitter at CageFightingPod. Drop us an email to CageFightingPod at gmail.com. Straight into the news this week, fellas. Following in Jeremy Renner's shoes... And he's using the current global sickness to launch a musical career. Finn fucking <laughs> Diesel has got a song out. However, unlike Jeremy Renner, his song is actually pretty good. I've, I've been quite impressed with it. Uh, if you just bear with me, because I've forgotten the title. Uh, Feel Like I Do. And I've got to admit, Feel like I do. as the kids say, it slaps. It, it's, it's a good, good song. I, I'm well impressed with uh, our own Dominic Toretto. You know what? When what? you put this, you put this in the group chat, and I was astonished at how good and fun it is. And I must have listened to it at least twenty times already. Yeah, like it wouldn't be on my usual playlist. Don't get me wrong, but compared to like thirty seconds from Mars or Russell Crowe or Bruce Willis's musical careers, it's one of the better crossover careers. I've got to be honest. I mean, I know it's only one song old, but. I what is it? Like is it? it? Is it? Is it rap? Is it pop? Is it? What is it? It's a sort of synthy dance number that mm. I was going to call him Dom. That Vin sort of just talks over in his usual gruff self. Mm. It's what to make Mark, curious. Because Mark said that he sent. He was amazing. He sounds a bit like George Ezra, <laughs> and you can you yeah. can kind of see it a bit. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, to the listeners, check it out. You will be amazed. I'm pretty sure. Uh, in other news, Flashpoint is stacking up nicely. So we already know that Keaton and Batfleck are suiting up. But now it's been reported that a third Batman is in line. Christian fucking Bale is coming back. And not only that, we've got the beautiful man mountain that is Henry Cavill coming back as soups. And Nicolas Cage is finally going to get to wear the suit, hopefully. There's going to be so much big dick energy on set. <laughs> they could pair with the fucking world until... The world dies. It's like incredible. And in other much sadder news, Cineworld are currently making plans to shut all 127 cinemas in the UK and a further 536 in the US. Apparently, this is in reaction to the news of the latest Bond film being uh, delayed. Obviously, that's over 5,500 jobs in the UK alone, which are at risk now. I mean, obviously, it might be a temporary measure. They might come back once the global 
shit bag is finally done and over with, but who knows? Um, I, I personally don't think that cinema is the best place to watch a film any longer. I don't think it has been for a long time. I think that, you know, it's you very much have to please yourself in cinema screens and what have you, and it just makes for an uncomfortable situation when things kick off. And I don't think the screen is always the best. I think there are a multitude of reasons why going to the cinema isn't the best experience. So when this is all done and over with, how do you get people back in the cinemas? Stu, what would you do to improve the experience of being in the cinema? Um, not have a hex bag like you have, I think. Because I, mean, I, I mean, I, I, as I've said many times, I, I love cinema and I've never had a problem like you, like you have. Um, and watching Tenet a, a few, well, about a month ago now, and in the new Cineworld experience as well with the seats and everything, the super screen and whatever. And it was great. It was a great experience. And the screen was crystal clear and chairs were nice and comfy and there was no issue whatsoever. I think doing it, doing it up from, let's put it this way, it was built in, what, 98? And it hadn't mm-hmm. been touched at all in that time. And you could you could probably get pregnant just by sitting on them chairs at the back seats. <laughs> they were grim. Yeah. I mean, it, it was that bad and it needed an upgrade and they, they upgraded it and now this all happened. So I don't think you, you did, I mean, just put films out. I mean, this is what's caused it all. People thinking that just because this whole nonsense might go away, it might, but it probably won't. Yeah. And in April, we're in the same situation. What are they going to do then? I'll put it back six months again. And at that point, it's 18 months after it should have come out in the first place. I mean, Tenet came out. It's still there. Just go and watch it. I mean, there was no issue. We're not, I went in there, sat, wear a mask if you want, if you're scared, fine, not a problem. You're not sitting opposite each other. You're not going to catch anything in there. You're going to get, you got more chance of getting on the bus. It was fine. And it's just everyone overreacting, cancelling all the films, and now people are going to lose their jobs. And who knows how many of these are going to open up again? It's just a joke. Matt, um, even before the pandemic started, mm-hmm. the cinema had been slowly dying to be perfectly honest it wasn't getting the money it was before does hollywood have a responsibility i mean obviously they're the ones who sell the films and then obviously the cinema then has to charge extortionate prices on tickets and from what i read it's not until like a month or so after the film has been released before most cinemas make any profit on the tickets should hollywood take a bit of a hit and say you know what Fair enough, we'll sell it for 20% less, or what's their responsibility in this all? Should and will are obviously two separate things. I think the issue is now that the the streaming market is so lucrative, it's not going to be long before we see streaming platforms be the sole providers of these A-list films, these AAA films. Um, My issue with the cinema is it hasn't... by the cinema, I mean the locations itself. So Cineworld, a prime example, my closest cinema. It hasn't adapted to the times in terms of screening only film. It's done very little. And it has done some, because I've, I've been to that. They've done two or three different Metallica shows at Cineworld. Um, but it's, they're so few and far between. And there's a real market there that they could tap into. Festivals, for example, how many people can't or won't go to festivals because of the price? But imagine if they just played footage from a festival for a day and they, you know, you, you watch that footage in the cinema or sporting events or just different mediums that will get people. And, you know, there's, there's people, friends of mine who I try, you know, I bug to listen to this podcast who are just, they're just not film. They're just not film people. It's absolutely mm. fine. But you know what? They love sport and they love music and would pay money to see these things on the big, big screen. How big is eSports at the minute? Yeah. Why not have tournaments at a cinema on massive screens? Do you know how big my hard-on would be if I could play FIFA on a screen that <laughs> massive? Do you know what I mean? It'd be ridiculous. And I don't see why... I don't know what the reluctance is to... Unless it's something on a pay, a pay or rights or something like that that, they can't, that can't be worked mm. for whatever reason. But, you know, they're going to have to adapt if they're going to have any kind of success. The thing with Hollywood is... And back to your original question is they're under no they're under no moral obligation other than to preserve nostalgia in preserving what was the golden age of film 
in the cinema. I, I really like the cinema, but one thing I will say, let's say a film is 13, 14 pounds or whatever it is to go see, especially at the old cine world, as Stuart mentioned, I don't feel like I was getting the experience that was worth that money. But going the last few films I've seen in IMAX in, in, um, in Broad Street, Birmingham, blown away. Tenet, I didn't like the film personally, but the experience of seeing it on that screen, that noise and everything was just sensational. And that's what I'm paying my money for. I, you know, I don't have a 4K yeah. TV. I've got mm. a good surround sound system at home, but that's for gaming. I don't really feel the benefit of that for film so much. Um, and I think it's going to be a real, real shame if cinema goes on its arse, but I feel it's more cinema's responsibility to adapt with the, the what people want yeah. what the content that's out there i mean and, we had the um we had the thing this weekend of um the palace game against chelsea being screened in audience in london yeah. and i've never known apart from world cups i've never known football being screened in cinemas but you think well why why not especially in time when we can't even go to games now mm. sitting in a kind of theatre-like experience watching a match i'm i'm pretty sure that i i'd pay to watch wolves in that setting and i don't like even watching wolves in pubs but yeah things like that they've it's almost like they're trying and it's a bit too late i mean because what you said about and um, things like that oh what's it called the um the duck ballet thing swan lake swan lake <laughs> <That's the one. laughs> and there's the clip for socials yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that anyway. <laughs> that was um, my my mother-in-law went to watch that the screen of that every year, every Christmas. And but do you know that that's even on there? Because I know I never had mm. no idea. Yeah, the the National Theatre have put a few plays on. Um, I've not been to one myself, but I have seen some of the plays when they've then released them online. And actually, it's quite a good experience because if you can't get to London to to see most of the plays that they put on. It gives you an opportunity to try something different. Exactly. Imagine I, if they put Hamilton on there. We'd be there yeah. straight away. Oh, all day. It'd be absolutely incredible. Um, for me, my problem is it's very similar to Matt's. It, it doesn't cater to a specific market anymore. So you've got your film nerds like me. I, all I want is a pitch black room, silence. I just want to watch a film and enjoy the experience. But then you have people who want to go and enjoy the social aspect of being with their friends and having a laugh, maybe singing along if you're in a musical. And going to the cinema doesn't suit both parties. It falls somewhere in between. Neither party is getting particularly what they want. So maybe it is about time they start doing split screening. So they're saying, right, Mondays is if you talk, you're shot. Tuesday <laughs> is you're allowed to have a laugh and, and join in. Maybe something like that to try and cater to what people actually want instead of trying to please everybody and in turn pleasing nobody. Oh, and one other thing I'd just like to say before we move on to the questions, I did put it out on the socials earlier. If you can't afford to get this month's Empire magazine, there is a wonderful piece about Chadwick Boseman. Um, that's the last bit of news. It's fucking beautiful and heartbreaking and heartwarming. It's brilliant. So on to the questions. Question one, what are you watching? Do you want to start the ball rolling? Yes, so a little late to the party with this one, um, really. Um, I started watching um, High Score on Netflix, a limited series about um, the golden age of kind of arcade gaming, really. And then and then the introduction of the home consoles. Um, a little before my time, I, I think my first console was the Master System 2. Uh, I had an Amiga before that, but... I don't really remember it, if I'm honest. I had a, there was a couple of games on it, but then my first proper console was a Master System 2. So I didn't think I'd actually um, take to this program very well. I, I, you know, I've always said to Sam, my wife, that it, when we have kids, I'm, when it comes to gaming, I'm going to get them something like a Master System and build them up to the level that they are now, just so they can mm. experience like, what games were like before and, and build it up like that, purely for but the way that this program is filmed and and created and edited is so it, it just tickles all of those nerdy geeky computer mm -hmm. game senses on my body it's just like it, it, it does loads of things in 8-bit the, the the editing is really it makes people look like they're in the game that are talking it's just a really really well made um, documentary series that i really really recommend you know it's good to kind of appreciate the things that I enjoy now, where their origins are. Really, really excellent. 
And one thing I will be watching that I haven't watched yet that we talked about um, when we were chatting before the show, the US remake of Utopia. Mm. Um, for those who haven't seen it, well, Utopia for me, it's in the godlike tier of TV, occupied only by Breaking Bad and uh, The Sopranos. And <laughs> I really 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 don't want them to butcher it but i have to watch it for pure morbid curiosity now andy i think it was you who told me that it's pretty shitly reviewed um yeah, it's not but, held up apparently no i feel like for the sake of invest investigative journalism i'm gonna have to watch it just to see <laughs> how bad they get it in the same way i've seen like um a pilot episode of the u.s remake of peep show and it made me literally want to hurl myself down a set of stairs Oh. I don't think they'll you, be able to grasp the same the same nuances that the original Utopia did, you know, that, that they had. Have you ever seen the um, Have you ever seen the the pilot episode of the American version of Red Dwarf? Yeah. Oh no. God, it's bad. It's it's possibly one of the worst things that's ever been put to any kind of film at all. Really. It just doesn't work at all. And before we, you know, we're accused of is xenophobia the word? Is that the the the, the, the one I want yeah. to use? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, there are some amazing American uh, sitcoms. Arrested Development is up there as one of my favourite of all time. Um, but the, their grasp on British humour, it just it just doesn't translate. We're a far more sarcastic bunch of people, <laughs> for yeah. one, um, and our our humour is often more in not what's said but how it's said. Mm. As, whereas I think American humor is a, a lot more in the visual, um, in terms of the the delivery, isn't quite the same. So I'm going to watch Utopia, and I'll probably get back to you in a couple of weeks um, and be forlorn. I mean, the only thing that makes me tempted to watch the US version, it's Gillian Flynn, who is the uh, the, the showrunner slash creator of the US version, anyway, and she was the writer of gone girl and sharp objects mm. um so if she's got a hand in the writing of it, it should at least be decent yeah but yeah. obviously time will tell with that uh so yeah Stuart, what have you been watching sir well ted lasso's finished sadly um he's had talking, talking about well it's not really american is it it's obviously american money but it's um, it's just superb. Was we'll it just leave leave that there? Yeah, there's two things. Um, one is that I watched last night, the Social Dilemma, on uh, Netflix. Hmm. That's about what um, social media is doing to everyone and how it's designed. I mean, it's you you watch. The, I mean, I've talked about aliens and all kinds of shit we've had here before. So you think I, <laughs> this is one of these conspiracy programs? But actually, it's about it's talk, interviews with engineers who've been at Google and Facebook and um, LinkedIn and all these kind of places and how the things, how it works mm. and how it traps you in and how it gets you to like one more like and one more, uh, one more post and how when Facebook put the um, tag your friends in photos thing, it just blew up because then you'd have, a, if someone, if you see that you've been tagged in a photo, you'll automatically open your phone and look at it. Mm. So then you'd be sold to the advertisers. It's really, it's like, you think, well, yeah, obviously this is this is true, but then you look at it in depth like they do. I mean, it's only about air and off. Yeah. And it, you think this is kind of, it's like really grubby and really horrible. And they've got, it's it's a lot of talking heads, but they've got like, it's almost like dramatizations, but it's kind of like that, that kind of thing as well. So it's dramatizations and talking heads and like reenactments kind of thing all at the oh, same cool. time. So it's it's really well really well made. It's really worth a watch. And it does get you thinking, thinking, hmm, is it? Are we really should be on Facebook all the time and checking Twitter every five minutes on your phone? <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah. But, it it yeah. sounds quite similar to um, the Great Hack, which is also a, a Netflix documentary based in that Facebook world. So yeah, I've, I've, as you were talking, I have just added that to my Netflix list. I'll uh, I'll definitely be checking that one out. Yeah, what else, Joe? The other one was, um, I don't know if this is going to be in America, so Todd and everyone, you might have to uh, be naughty to get it. It's a little mini-series called Des. Um, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about, um, David Tennant playing the role of a Scottish serial killer, Dennis Nielsen, mm. who is a terrible man, obviously, 
And <laughs> big, uh, trying to go into it without ruining it for people who haven't seen it. So it's based on a, a, a book called Killing for Company, which I read years ago. Um, it's basically he's, he, he goes around picking up men, not mostly homeless men, to mm. rape and then murder and chop up. <laughs> and it's it, it's David Tennant looking scary like Dennis Nielsen. It's really, really good. And it's oh, when when this came up, I thought, I don't want to see a film version. So I knew the story, obviously, before our time. But mm. I loved the book, being a true crime kind of weirdo. But, yeah, it's a, it's a really, really good series. Only three okay. three parts, so only about two and a half, three hours. But, yeah, it's well worth I- it. ITV, it was, is it that one? Yeah, it was an ITV production, so it, it might be on Britbox. And, oh, speaking of images, well, we've got to watch that later. Ah, shit, yes. That's another one to add to the list. It's getting a long list tonight, I think. Uh, okay, doke. So, my choice is quick shout-out for a film called Message from the King. And it's, it's basically, you know when Denzel did all of those B-movies where he was a bad man out for vengeance? Mm-hmm. And it's basically the same film, but with Chadwick Boseman. It's really good fun. Like it's, it won't tax you. It will be, you'll just sit through, play through it. You'll enjoy it, and you'll probably forget about it the day after. But it was a good experience. Ted Lasso, as she's just mentioned, sadly finished this week. What a series that's been. Uh, but within the last week or so, I downloaded what has been come to known as Netflix for horror, and it's called Shudder. Um, and I watched a British film called Host, which was made during the pandemic during lockdown and it's basically six friends on a zoom call uh start a seance and then all hell breaks loose i don't get scared by horror films (laughs) very very rarely it just i enjoy them but they don't do anything to me physically i could feel my nerves jangling at points through this and it was the middle of the day it's 57 minutes long treat yourself it's great yeah, when when I told when I told you about this, was it was probably when Ju- uh, my Judah, shout out, um, yeah. recommended it to me, and, and it was on Twitter, and I thought, yeah, I'll give it a go because we we both watched Unfriended, and you scared yourself watching that. Yeah, and I thought this is right, right up your alley, and then you chickened out and watched it in daylight. But yeah, I'll, I'll vouch for this one that it's excellent. Yeah, properly, properly good. And the other film which I've saved till last uh, this week, I have watched Tenet. Yes, it's fucking brilliant. <laughs> like, it's uh, words fail me at how good this movie is. I'm a big fan of Washington. I loved him in Ballers when he was playing Ricky Jarrett. He was brilliant. He's such an, a captivating performer. To see Elizabeth Debicki finally get a role good enough for her talents as well. Like we've seen her in bits before, and she's always a bit part player. So it was great to see her front and center. Kenneth Branagh. Just a terrifying bastard in that film. <laughs> Loved it. And obviously, the Batman himself, Robert Pattinson. He was awesome. Like, you, you're watching him act and you just he draws you in. You just want to know what is going on. And I like the fact that right at the beginning of the film, it tells you, I think it was the scientist lady played by Clemence Posey. She says, don't think about it. <laughs> and you can't because the film doesn't make any sense if you sit and try and logically break it down. There's all sorts of paradigms and paradoxes going on. So you just have to experience what they have given you. And it's perfect. I mean, I, I could go into detail. I could, but I, 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 I wouldn't want to spoil anything because it is such a rip ride throughout. And yeah, like the, the battle at the end doesn't make any sense if you think about it. But don't think about it. Just experience it. And, and I, Matt, I'm one who likes to think and break things down, but I was just swept along with this movie. And Sorry, I, Matt. <laughs> I, I, is it, for it, for the listeners, Matt's sitting there like a, a bulldog chewing a wasp. I did think that I'd be, this would be one of my, just me on my own kind of things. I'm, I'm so happy that I'm not on my own again. <laughs> Brilliant. Listen, different strokes for different folks. Like visually as a, as a spectacle, phenomenal can't deny that at all might have been the fact that i was deafened in the cinema by <laughs> by like the score and everything else um it just didn't grab me in the same way that inception did the week before that i saw um i 
if I wanted to watch Bond, I'll go watch Bond. If I want, you know, this just feels like a, a poor sci-fi Bond to me. Like, it just, it just didn't do a lot for me. It didn't grab me in the way. And maybe it's because I wanted to understand it and I couldn't remove myself from understanding the plot very well. I just, um, it just, just, just didn't, maybe maybe in a few weeks, months' time, I'll watch it again and I'll feel differently about it. But I think I'd put it at such a high level because of how much I enjoyed re-watching Inception um, that I thought it was going to grab me in the same way, and it didn't. But, listen, some of the things that I love, people are going to hate. Some of the things that I hate, people are going to love. So it's just one of those things, you know, you can't please all the people all the time, can you? Yeah. I think it helped me going in knowing that you just have to watch it. You don't mm-hmm. don't think about it in any great depth. Um, so yeah, I should I that be something. That, should that be something that we applaud though? The fact that as a precursor, you shouldn't try to understand it. Should yeah, that be so, something that, that we applaud? I watch every film like that though. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's one of those things because some films have got depth beyond what they present you, whereas some films have just got zero depth. Mm-hmm. Um, and this probably isn't the one with the depth, and that's fine. It doesn't make it a good or a bad film if it still has that impact on you where you've enjoyed it, and I think that's all you can ask for a film, is at the end of it, you come out taking something from it that you wanted. Mm -hmm. And also, the scene with Michael Caine, I really like Mm -hmm. that scene with Michael Caine, and when, um, oh, when Washington, I can't remember the protagonist, his name is, he stands up and he's about to leave and he just says, thank you, Sir Michael. And that was just completely Christopher Nolan saying thank you to Michael Caine. That wasn't one character speaking to another. That was the director speaking to one of his muses. And I loved that. I proper geeked out for that. I thought it was excellent. Such a lovely little touch. Anyway, on to the next question, which is Mr. Stuart Hall. Hello. So, nice and simple this week. What is your favourite foreign language movie? Matthew. Thank you, Stuart. I think very civilised this evening. <laughs> um, There's a so, copious amount of Banksy's amber that I've drank all day today. Oh, OK. <laughs> yeah, well, after the uh, after the game earlier, I felt like alcohol might be on the menu, to be fair, but I digress. <laughs> it's, it's been on the menu since 12 o'clock, so... <laughs> So um, I was going to originally, but I've, t- I've talked about it too many times, I think, on the podcast already, go with something like Battle Royale or Life is Beautiful. But I, s- I seem to shoehorn those um, films in at every opportunity, really, uh, when we talk about it. So um, one film that I want to mention as probably one of my favourite, I-, I-, I haven't watched it recently, and I'm going to watch it on the back of, of researching it for this, um, The Lives of Others. I don't know if you've seen that i review so basically the story um of the east german um member of the stasi monitoring a play right basically so the gestapo for want of a better word um monitoring surveillance on citizens to make sure that they are keeping to the communist playbook let's put it that way um it's a really really heart-wrenching film and a film that shows humanity in the worst of people it keeps you on the edge of your seat because the film teases and and pulls you in different directions because you you follow the you follow the the Stasi um, officer and he doesn't know the internal conflict with him is really really powerful and you don't know if he's going to um, turn in the people he's surveying uh, is he going to let them get away with it is it's, I don't want to spoil it because. One sentence will ruin this film. It's one of those. Just watch it. It's a really gut-wrenching film that shows the true emotion of a person, even someone as evil as the Nazis or, or, or the Stasi. Um, just watch it. You'll, 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 you'll really appreciate it. Sebastian Koch in this as well, who've, who's been in a lot of things. that we, we, We've seen... He was in... Um, where's he gone now? He's in Homeland. There's Otto. People who've watched Homeland... Yeah, it's um, it won the Oscar. Um, for... And the Danish girl. Oh, wow. Yeah, it won the Oscar for um, foreign film or foreign language film, two thousand and six, I think it was. Um, it's just a, it's just a really really excellent film. Um, not massively rated really that highly in terms of IMDb, but it's um ninety three percent on Rotten Tomatoes, audience score of ninety six percent. 
I think it was a, I might have got this wrong now. I think it was a 2 million budget with a 77 million return as well. So in terms of a percentage of purely from, you know, from brass tax as well, it did fantastic numbers. Um, I want you guys to watch it and get back to me basically. Cause yeah, I'm, 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 yeah. it's well, on my list. It's on the list now. Yeah. This list is going to be, I've got a feeling this week is just going to be one where I've seen nothing and it's all going straight onto the list. So the lives of others. <laughs> so for myself, I had a few written down. I had Battle Royale on the shortlist because I expected you to talk about it, to be honest, Matt. Um, yeah, it's a great film, so no more needs to be said. Um, I would also say Parasite, which finally won the Oscar. Don't need to go into any detail. I'm sure you've heard enough about it. It's an incredible film. I've yet to re-watch it because I'm waiting... I've, was going to go to the cinema to watch it when it was released in black and white and then shit kicked off so obviously that's been on the back burner so the film i want to put a bit of love to is a film called roma and it's a film yes. that should have won the oscar 12 fucking months ago it is incredible so it's set in a time of civil war stew's cursing me here because i've obviously stolen his thunder yeah, because i was i thought i was going to be clever this week i thought i was going to get something you haven't seen <laughs> it's an oscar film of course i've seen it um yeah so set in a time of civil unrest within is it cuba i can't remember off the top of my head the uh, the country that it's set um and it's about a cleaner and her life and trials and tribulations and when the thing happens at the it is the most devastating heartbreaking scene i have ever seen you feel part of it you feel like you were in the room when it happens and it's it's up there with 12 years a slave for the impact it had on me at full time that it was just what an awful awful world this place can be at times it's beautiful and it should have won the oscar uh, was it alfonso alfonso Cuaron, i think was the director of it and the fact the Green Book won that year is a fucking travesty. <laughs> like, it's up there with the shitty crash that won the Oscar over Brokeback Mountain. It's appalling that Roma didn't get the love that it deserves. Also, two other quick shout-outs, and both of these go to Guillermo del Toro, Pan's Labyrinth, gorgeous, and El Orfanato, which he produced, which is a Spanish-language horror, and it's gorgeous. <laughs> Sorry, Stu. <laughs> I... I had three, and I thought, well, there's going to be at least one, and thankfully you ain't mentioned me. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think Pan's Labyrinth was one of the one of the first ones that I could think. Thinking in, when I thought about this question, I thought, what was the first one that I actually paid attention to? Mm. And because it's so fucked up and strange, you don't really. It doesn't really matter that it's Spanish or whatever in the, the mystical nonsense yeah. of it all. It's just, it's just you could watch that without any context of just how visually amazing it is. Pan's Labyrinth, it, obviously. Yeah, and it's a grown-up uh, fairy tale, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, oh, it's stunning. Some of the best visuals I've ever seen in a film as well. Love it. Well, you look, you, you wouldn't have got the Hellboy gig, would you, if you hadn't done that? Very true, very true. Um, and the man with the eyes in his hands. Yeah. Like, terrifying. But yeah, awesome. Yeah, the other one was the one that kind of, again, late to the part that introduced me to wire work, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Okay. Which, all that, because all, I wasn't really a part of like, Asian cinema and all that kind of thing. It was all, oh, this is all bollocks, it's nonsense. And what, how is this entertainment? And then I, I, thought, I can't remember how or who took me to watch this one. But we, we were sitting there and I thought, this is class. And ever since then, I, going back into the back catalogue of Asian cinema and all that kind of thing, I've got a proper love from it, from Prouching Tiger. So that's got a kind of warm place in my heart, so to speak. <laughs> Fantastic. I've never seen it. It's been one that's <gasps> been on the list. Oh, come on. And like other films get added and it's always been fairly low on the on the priority list. Maybe I should bump it up. Have oh, you seen it... uh, Kung Fu Hustle? Yes. No. Good film, though. It's not, it's oh, not like... Good things. It's, 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 it, it's no Kung Fu Panda. Let's just get it put it there. Whoa. Whoa there. <laughs> that's another one I'm adding to the list. Kung Fu oh. Hustle. I'm say Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> No, I've seen that one. I, I quite enjoyed that. God, that I was Jack remember, Black, wasn't it? I remember yeah. uh, going to cinema and seeing something really, really like powerful, like a really 
like a proper thought-provoking film. Can't be that thought-provoking. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> but like, me and my me and my friend had the day to ourselves, and we had those Sydney World Unlimited passes, and we thought, oh, should we just make a day of this? Yeah, we will actually. We'll go see like two or three films in a row. What's on? Kung Fu Panda Two. Why the fuck not? So then we just went and, went and watched it. Oh man! Another cinema memory. Just before we just before we move on, I'll never forget walking into the King's Speech. Right late, I might add. Which is a faux pas, I know. Mm-hmm. And the overwhelming smell of talcum powder and those <laughs> swe- and those sweets that come in the little tins um, with the like not sherbet but like a sugary thing because it was quite an an an, an elderly screening of mm-hmm. people. And it just, it just, it just smelled like going to like your grandparents' house. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And then my mate, my mate Rob, like, so he's your worst enemy, Andy. Instead of like, you know, you you take food in a bag, absolutely fine. I've got no issue with that. Instead of taking a big bag of crisps, he took six individual bags <laughs> oh, of my crisps. God. <laughs> that's that's just fucking evil. Sacrilege. Jesus. Anyway, have either of you ever two walked into the wrong screening before? Uh, yeah, I have. I've never I have, yeah. I've walked in that? and been like, hmm, something's not quite right here. Not, I've not been, I've not like sat down and carried on watching. I've realised the error of my ways, but then, yeah, I have. I have done that. I um, went to see, I think it was when Orange Wednesdays were brand new. Oh, so yeah, me, yeah. me and my cousin went to see Harry Potter, whichever one it was, I don't know. There was fuck all else on. And uh, we went, sat down, and like, the film started and I'm like, well, this isn't Harry Potter. And it was um, 51st Dates, oh, wow. <laughs> the Adam Sandler, Drew Barrymore film. So, Fuck it, we just sat there and watched the whole film. And actually, I, I quite enjoyed it in the end. Apart from my Adam Sandler rants last week or two weeks ago, I don't mind that one. That one's okay. That's one of his better ones. That and Wedding Singer are two of his better comedies, I feel. I don't know. It's just something about Drew Barrymore. Maybe just reins him in a little bit. And uh, did you see that? Better. The Drew Barrymore's got her own show now. No. And she had, um, yeah, it's like the Kelly Clarkson show with um, that excellent clip of the uh, Vin Diesel song on the Kelly Clarkson show. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Drew Barrymore's got her own show, and she had she was interviewing Tom Green, obviously her, her ex-husband. Her ex, yeah, of course. Now, it's on Twitter if you go and have a look for it. But yeah, it was like really weird and really nice and sweet at the same time. Because okay. obviously they've, they've got a kid together as well. So obviously yeah. they've got some, they have to be civil and stuff. But just seeing him with a massive grey beard, he's like, it's Tom Green. I, I don't think I've seen um, him in anything for at least 15 years. I, I think that it was probably... Um, Road oh, Trip. God. Road Trip, yeah, that's the one. Fuck you know. That's a bit of a, a flashback from the past, that one is. You have done well, Panda. Done well? <laughs> I've done awesome! Oof. So, my question this week, what is the first film or films which pops into your mind when I say Alfred Hitchcock? Stu? It's always The Birds, but I've never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Because I was I was convinced that I've seen it, and I, I, for years I kept thinking, hmm, I'm sure Robin Williams is in that film, and obviously that's a completely different film altogether. Yeah, that's the Bird Cage. Yeah, the Bird Cage, which is great to be fair. But I've never seen the Birds, and obviously Psycho is excellent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for some reason it's always Birds. I don't know why, but I don't like Birds either. I, don't, I think that, this that might be to... why. Some kind of subliminal thing where, like, birds flapping. I don't really bother about many things at all, but birds flapping around, don't like that. Not a fan. <laughs> so what's the first film that you have seen that pops to mind? Psycho. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's very, legendary, yeah, that film. It's like very cliche and everything, but, yeah, it's just, it's perfect. And yeah. again, we, we are going to, like, eat it itself where we talk about the uh, Vince Vaughn remake a few weeks ago. And how that, in preparation of watching that, I watched the original. So when I went in to watch the, the new one, the newer one at the time, I got full blast of how shit it is. Yeah, like it doesn't even. The only thing it changes is the opening scene when it's um, 
in the original, it is a camera going over the map. And in the remake, it's a camera going over the city, which was Hitchcock's. It's what Hitchcock wanted. But obviously, because it was 1960, they couldn't do that back then. And obviously the masturbation scene, which doesn't add anything. It doesn't make it makes it creepy, but not in the right way that you want to make things creepy. It was funny. Yeah, it was creepy in a oh god, are you really doing that, you fucking geek? Not a oh that that's not that's horrible to say. It wasn't. It was just wrong. And it obviously led to the uh, one of the most underrated, never talked about shows of all time, Bates Motel, which no, no one ever, I, no I one's ever seen. Episode. Now I saw the first episode, and it, I don't think I could grasp the fact that it was set in the modern day. It's something I've always intended to go back to once it had finished, and then I've just never got around to it. Yeah, it's really good. Mm. Surprise, it's, surprise. Um, Considering it's, it, the source material it's based on, you think, well, they can't possibly fuck this up. Mm. But we've seen many, many occasions yeah. where that doesn't really hung true. But, yeah, it's really good. It's, it's uh, Vera Farmiga, isn't it? Plays the eponymous mother. Um, oh, yeah, it's, it's on the list, but whether or not I'll ever get around to it, who knows. Matt? What about yourself? Again, the birds. Um, I don't know why, because Psycho is obviously, uh, I would say, it'd be the top answer on Family Fortunes or something like that, or a Family Feud for our American colleagues. Um, But yeah, the birds, I think it's got something to do with when we were arranging the podcast, and this may shock people, but we don't ask these questions um, on the day. We do a bit of (laughs) prep behind the curtain. Um, I think I was in Weymouth at the time, the seagulls at the seaside and, and everything like that. So that must be your worst nightmare, Stu, being at the seaside with like I seagulls flapping around. I ain't bothered about the seagulls. Seagulls are fine. Seagulls are like sky squirrels. They're all right. <laughs> sky squirrels? Well, I've heard it all now. Um, it's, a, it's just, it's a little ones, like the little, mm. little, like Tweety Bird things. Like a canary, a canary will fuck you up. But a seagull, <laughs> that's fine. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, but you can, you, if you get in a fight with a seagull, you've got a chance because you've got something to punch, ain't you? Whereas if you've got a canary coming at you, you can get in between things. It's, nah, keep away. Well, I mean, you didn't know this, Stu, because um, I do a lot of the socials, but we had had a sponsorship offer from Peter, but um, <laughs> let's, turn that, let's turn them down now. Um, but I'd say my the, the best of the um, Hitchcock films that I've seen um, will be North by Northwest. Um, and it gets it gets done so many times in other films and, and, and TV shows as well. The scene with the plane over like the cornfield or wherever it is. Um, yeah, really, really excellent. Um, admittedly, I hadn't really seen a lot of Hitchcock's work before I went to university and studied film. Um, but I don't think a lot of horror done in the right way would be done if it wasn't for the Hitchcock influence um psycho phenomenal as well um I would like I would love to have known what his vision would be with the technology that we had today but it's one of those who would win between Mayweather and Rocky Balboa kind of questions isn't it I guess yeah absolutely (laughs) well there we go what about you Andy well there's three films I want to shine a light on the first one I'm going to say it's not Hitchcock it's Jordan Peele because the few films we've seen of him are as close to what I think Hitchcock would be now. So I'd say Get Out. Just adore that film. It's so Hitchcockian. It's beautiful. It's brilliant. Uh, but the two, I've gone one from his British period and one from his Hollywood period. It's Hollywood period, Rear Window. Mm. I think it, it's one of his, his top films, but it probably isn't one of his most fancied films because you've got Psycho, Birds, North by Northwest, which all come before it. But Rear Window, it's just an incredible show with how to build fear and tension within a movie. It's so well played and it's nerve jangling. It's fantastic. And the film I wanted to mention from his British period, it's a silent film called The Lodger, which I hadn't seen until I went to uni. And it stars Ivan Novello. And it is it's based around the um, London serial killer. Jack the Ripper. Jack the Ripper, that's the one. It's based around that where women start going, uh, start getting killed late at night and they think it's the eponymous lodger played by Ivan Novello. And it's just this wonderful story that's... Because I've never really gotten along with silent cinema, if I'm perfectly honest. It's, it's OK. Mm. I, I don't I don't dislike it, but at the same time, 
it's not something I'll get my way to watch. But The Lodger is one of the few silent films that I've seen probably about six or seven times. I just think it's fantastic. Just the, the use of acting to actually tell a story without any words. Yeah. When it's done right, it's brilliant. But sadly, I don't think there's enough of those films to make that genre particularly viable for me personally. Yeah, it's, uh, and also, like I'd heard of Ivan Novello, obviously because of the awards named after him, so I didn't realise he was even an actor. So when it came up in the, the title card, Ivan Novello, I was like, okay, right. So yeah, paid attention, loved it. And again, it's quite creepy. It's done in sort of a more of a chrome, I'd say, than a black and white style. The music to it is it's really good. So you're watching when they pick something up, and you might hear like a penny whistle or something with the movement. So just, I, I don't know, the way it marries together with the sound, it's fantastic. I don't want to go too deep into the story because I'd hate to spoil anything. But it's about a love story between the lodger and the daughter of his hosts. But his hosts think he's the killer and she doesn't and it's how it all plays out. Mm. It's fantastic. It deserves a lot more love than it probably gets because he's British period. You've got films like Sabotage and 39 Steps, which are probably the more famous of, of that period. But I'd say definitely check out The Lodger if you ever get a chance. Talking about silent cinema, when was the last time you saw Jewel? Jewel? I don't think I've ever seen it. Spielberg film, his first one, I mean, The Lorry. No, I haven't. I haven't seen it. Oh, it's it's really... It's a bit... It, it's a, a lorry stalking a woman along... <laughs> It's again. It's a silent film. It's there's, that's pretty much the storyline, and it's like a it's like Terminator, but it's a lorry. It, it's right. I'm making it sound stupid, here, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's been a long time. It's got a seven point six on IMDb. Yeah, it's it's really fun. It's a it's incredibly well made for something for as basic as what it is. But add it to the list. Yeah, it's, I've just put it on. Nineteen seventy one, Jewel. Ninety minutes. Awesome. Fantastic. Okay. So, question number four. That's you, Matt. So, guys, I want to know your natural disaster movie. In keeping with modern events, potentially. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yes, I want to know your natural disaster movie. Stu, I'm going to give you the chance to steal one of Andy's. So, go ahead. I just... L- I just love the day after tomorrow, and I don't know why, because it's it's not very good, is it? No. <laughs> but, again, but none of these really are. This is the, the whole point of them. It's, and then you can throw in Twister and or Dante Speak and all the other ones, and things like that. But there's something about I mean, the CGI wolves and stuff like that are really bad. And but I've watched the day after tomorrow more than any other disaster film ever. And again, I don't really know why. I don't know if it's, it's, is it really nature and all that stuff, but I'm counting it because it's fun. And again, it's, it kind of knows what it is and it, it's very schlocky. Yeah. It's, that was almost like the start of the rise of the Gyllenhaal, wasn't it, as well? Yeah. That was the first time he really got any, I mean, it was post Donnie Darko, if I remember correctly, but that was very much the beginning of the ascent of Jake Gyllenhaal. So we can thank you for that, if nothing else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Andy, what about yourself? For myself, um, I've got a few on the list, obviously. Can I take Sharknado? <laughs> well, it's a, it's a theoretical <laughs> natural disaster. <laughs> Could it happen? Yeah. Could any of it happen? Um, like... I really struggled with this because as a genre, it's not one that, like Stu said, they, they tend to be a bit cack. And because it's no, it's because it's fun. That's what you know. You're not familiar <laughs> with it. The, the, yeah, basically. So Sharknado for me because it very much knows what it is, mm-hmm. and it plays within that world perfectly fine. The world is coming to an end, and they're trying to stop it. Whereas I think most of the ones that I've seen tends to be that the world is ended. And there's nothing you can do about it. I quite yeah. liked that Sharknado was that there is a chance to save humanity. Obviously, it's dumb as shit. But Iron Zeering is brilliant in it. Tara Reid. I mean, obviously not so much in the first one, but in the second one. Tara Reid is phenomenal. 
I, I still laugh about the scene when uh, Kelly Osborne gives her a book to sign. And she just scribbles like a fucking four-year-old, her name. And it's, it's like the silliest visual gag. And I don't even know if it's supposed to be funny, but it really tickles me every time I see it. The first two Sharknadoes, I, I do genuinely enjoy watching. It falls off a cliff badly after that. But Chris Jericho appears in one. And I think, does Kurt Angle appear in one as well, if I remember correctly? So, yeah, Sharknado for me. Points. Yeah, that's, one. that's right. There's one called The Core, where they um, they burrow down to the centre of the earth to restart the uh, the core <laughs> to, to get it spinning on its axis again. And that's, again, I think me and Gold went to watch this, because I, I remember him. If he didn't go, I know he hates it. So, <laughs> well, nice memory for you. But, yeah, there's, I've probably been to see pretty much all of them. And again, I, I really don't know why. But are we counting Armageddon in this? Because it's... It's he's some kind of nature, mm-hmm. and well, yeah. I, well, my choice is a, a pretty hard and fast with the rules, really, because <laughs> I was going to say Armageddon myself purely for the ridiculousness of it, um, <laughs> and the fact that Aerosmith put out a banger for um, for the soundtrack as well, and another kind of hard and hard and fast with the rules, really. Um, I wanted to say the road. Um, yeah, yeah. Post-apocalyptic kind of, you know, I didn't want to go post-apocalyptic like zombies, even though that, yeah. you know, yeah, well, the, maybe the, that. But the that, road that takes just, it in another direction. I think if mm-hmm. you had zombies, that's more horror than. I think the road, the road is just twenty twenty four. We all, we all know this. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I, you both nail on the head. The genre itself, they're not fantastic films in the first in the first place. Really, Twister. It's so it's so nineties. It makes my my eyes bleed. Like it's just. Um, I think there's a scene in um, in the IT crowd where uh, Moss sees a film and he goes, "Oh, it's set in the eighties. Well, I'm like that with like nineties based films. <laughs> like just look at them and go, oh, it makes my skin crawl. Um, and again, I wanted to say War of the Worlds, but obviously it's sci-fi over kind of anything else. I love that for rightly or wrongly, maybe guilty pleasure territory. Um, I love that Tom Cruise War of the Worlds film. Don't know why, but I really do. Um, but yeah, Armageddon for me, just because of you know, I don't. I'm I'm not a massive huge fan of just these huge blockbuster um, films that verge on you know the Americana side of it. You know, mm. it's so much like a this is America's dick and force it down your throat kind of thing. This is how great we are, or anything like that. But um, Armageddon's a bit of that. And but I don't mind it in this context, I suppose. You know, we we have got a we have got a precursor to this in uh, in about a month's time. Watching uh, Knowing. Well, yeah, there is. It's it's when I was doing a bit of research for this. Um, maybe we'll revisit this and how does this stack up against some <laughs> films we've mentioned? Well, we've um, got an end of the world film coming up much sooner than that as well, to be honest. But we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, other films that I had on my list for Natural Disaster. Have either of you seen Geostorm? Yep. yep. Oh, it's fucking wild, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. Loved it. Uh, San Andreas was another one on my list, purely because The Rock's in it and got a shout out to The Rock. Uh, one which I think probably gets overlooked because of the genre. This is the end. James Franco, Seth Rogen, mm. Jonah Hill. Really enjoyed that film. Like, it is what it is very much. It's a group of guys at the end of the world telling dick jokes. But I really enjoyed that. I thought it was fun. But I love Seth Rogen, so it's probably a little bit of that in there for me. Is it and a little too close to home, but a contagion? Does that does that count in the genre? I'd say so, yeah. Because, I mean, obviously... Vir- uh, like a virus a as opposed to... Yeah. When people think of natural disaster, I think people assume earthquake, tsunami, you're everything, but... It's you know it's a natural disaster in terms of a, a cataclysmic event for the planet, I guess. Yeah. Oh, does that mean that we, if we count in that, then we are we counting? Um, oh, what's it called? The Sandra Bullock one from last year. Oh, Bird Box. Yeah, Bird oh, Box. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, that would be in there, wouldn't it? I, I quite enjoyed that actually. I mean, it got yeah. very very mixed reviews. It seemed to be either people adored it or despised it, and it was nothing in between. But yeah, I, I thought. I, it was a good, enjoyable 90 to 100 minutes. I thought that was. There we go. 
<clears throat> so I think what we need to do, we need to cleanse the palate with some listener questions, if that's okay with you two. I'm going to give you some, some quick-fire listener questions. Most definitely. Looking forward to it. Quick-fire okay. is the best way. So, one question we've got from David Evans of uh, a Daft Question fame. Uh, check them out. Really good podcast. Why does Bruce Willis only seem to do very under-the-radar films now? Is there a desire for Bruce Willis to appear in cinema slash high-profile streaming films? So I guess the question is, do you guys have a desire to see Bruce Willis in big-budget blockbuster films? Um, I haven't seen Glass. I assume he's in it. Yeah. Um, do you have a desire to see him in big films these days? Your thoughts? Personally, no. Um, he very much had his day, and he was excellent with all the, the diehards and looking number Slevin and, and the likes back then. He just seems to fart out straight to DVD direct now. And I think the fact that people don't want to see, go and see Die Hard anymore, other than Stu, I'm guessing. Um, <laughs> like they, they went to the cinema, they, they didn't trouble anybody because they made zero money. I don't think anybody really has that interest in seeing him anymore. Part of it is down to the fact that apparently he's a bit of an arsehole, I think. Okay. So I think people have sort of got to that point with him where they think, well, fuck him. He's not that good an actor to be that much of a dick. That's my personal opinion anyway. Stu? Yeah, that's, I was pretty much going to say the same thing. He's kind of he's buried himself in the, uh, in the twattiness of what he's been coming out with. And, yeah, I mean, my PSN name is John McLean's Vest. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I had the, well, the first, so the first three and then the fifth one, or fourth and the, there's some, there's two excellent ones and then the rest are okay. But there's a lot of things that should be, just be left alone. And Bruce Willis is one of them for me. Yeah. Uh, I, I loved him in the, I loved him in mid nineties and before, but not since. And there's, there's probably a reason for that. I think if you're on the fence about whether or not you like Bruce Willis, check out what Kevin Smith had to say about him when they worked together on Cop Out. And he just talked about what an absolute dick he was. So, yeah, apparently um, Tracy Morgan absolutely saves that movie. And the reason it, it's quite bad, even Kevin Smith says it's not a great oh, yeah. The reason he said it's bad is because of Bruce Willis. Yeah, I know what you're on about. I like that film. It was good. I love Tracy Morgan. I will watch that dude in anything. Even if he's got like a two-minute cameo, fuck it, I'm watching it for him. I love him. He's brilliant. Did I say Tracy Excellent. Jordan or Tracy Morgan? Because I keep Morgan. saying Jordan when he's that's obviously his 30 Rock character. <laughs> <laughs> um, we did get a question from um, our friends uh, at the Lunch Hour Geek Out, but we're not going to answer it purely because we're going to cover these films eventually. Um, he wants to know who would win, Nick Cage in Mandy or Nick Cage in A Kiss of Death. Um, but we want to come back to that when we do Mandy. Uh, we, I can't wait till we do Mandy. I think we're gonna yeah, have to. Really we're gonna have to. Um, might have to bump that up the list. One question we put out um, was Andy answered it on the socials himself as well. Stu tried to um, <laughs> tried to defend a film that somebody else <laughs> had put. Um, so you're allowed to remove one film from existence like it was never made. What do you banish? So Andy, you would put Saw two. Do you want to tell us why? Yeah, so Saw 2 for me was the beginning of torture porn becoming the mainstream. If you get rid of Saw 2, you obviously don't get the next 40 fucking shitty Saw films that came out. You don't get Hostel, which is just awful movie, badly made, boring as fuck. You also don't get stuff like Human Centipede. As a genre... Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> so you're trying to wipe Human Centipede from history? Yeah. It's terrible. It, it's border. I say it's not even borderline offensive. It's just fucking offensive. It's awful. You seen the second one in black and white? No. I I I've, I gave up after the first one because it's that bad. <laughs> and it's not even bad in a fun way. It's bad in a. This is genuinely a sexist piece of shit, and I won't watch it. So I'd quote that. I think so too. Then you just get rid of the, the whole torture porn. You break the timeline. Yeah. I like it. Fair yeah. enough. David. Evans, um, Broken Flowers with Bill Murray. He loves him, but uh, it was awful. Um, a daft question would get rid of Freddy versus Jason. Um, they believe it is just awful. Um, Stu, prepare your case for the defence. 
Todd DeWitt wants to get rid of Avatar. Because yeah, Avatar gets a, a bad rap, and I don't really know why. It was it it pushed the three D thing at the time, and there's still still to this day, there's no there's no three D film better than Avatar. No one, no way. Yeah, I know what you're saying, but if I want to watch Pocahontas, I'll watch Pocahontas. <laughs> well, it, it's a poor man's Fern Gully, I thought. Uh, to be honest, Fern Gully, the last rainforest. Yes, I know. Blah 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 blah. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've I've actually got an Avatar man bag as well. I love I love it that. Of much. course you do. Of yeah. course you do, Shay. Yellow and green, yellow green with a, with a black um, handle. Avatar man bag. It boots AVR, AVTR. So it's cool. But yeah, it's sitting over there next to Transformers. <laughs> um, I would uh, argue, finally. Oh, sorry, um, can I just uh, rebut yeah, the great, the, the better three D film? I would probably say that Drive Angry three D is better, Ooh. and we will get to that film. And that's another one I am so excited to rewatch. I even have I have a story about that film as well that we'll, we'll get to one day. I'm going to have to buy that in 3, 3D Blu-ray in preparation and AI. Yeah, love it. Sorry, Matt, I uh, jumped in. No, there. no, that's all right. Well, Ash Dolan, friend of the show, he's done a Jolene Lescott, hasn't he? And he's sent a text from from in, in his pocket and by accident because he's put the <laughs> Wicker Man remake. Yeah, he's obviously not meant to put that in. So, Ash, you might want to check your uh, your settings on your phone, mate. Obviously, uh, you didn't intend to put that on, so <laughs> that's fine. But we, we forgive you. <laughs> but speaking of borderline offensive, um, we're going to wrap up for the day. But Andy, you want to tell the people what we're going to be watching for our next episode? <laughs> yeah, um, it follows on quite nicely from Ash wanting to get rid of the Wicker Man. So, a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> I bought um, I bought Empire Magazine. No, Total Film Magazine, sorry. And it had the 20 worst films of all time. And at number 19 was The Wicker Man. The films we are watching next week, (laughs) one of them is definitely worse than The Wicker Man. You'll find out. Um, But next week, we'll be watching a film called Kill Chain. And we'll be watching (laughs) Left Behind. I spoke with Todd DeWitt on the weekend about Left Behind. Because he was the one who championed it. <laughs> so, Todd, <laughs> this is our conversation that we had this weekend. So, I'm sat here with our first international guest, Mr. Todd Dewitt. Hello, Todd. How are we today? Good, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. It's pissing down with rain, but <laughs> it's a perfect film day, to be perfectly honest. So, yeah. that's all I'm going to do. Sit and watch some films. So when we first started our podcast, one of the first messages we received was from yourself asking yep. when we're going to do Left Behind. I was expecting oh, it to be something different to what it was. So no. wh- why was that the film that you wanted us to get straight into? Because it is absolute shit. It's so bad. <laughs> Surprisingly, Nick Cage isn't the worst part about that film. And... My wife and I recently rewatched it, and it's so much worse than we remember. Yeah, I mean, you messaged saying that yourself and you, your partner were going to be watching it uh, last weekend, and I, I really felt for, uh, for your <laughs> wife. It's it's not a good one, is it? It's, no. I mean, like, from the... I, I, all I knew when you'd said that the name was literally the picture of the film, I'd never even heard of it before, and now I've seen it, there's a good reason I've heard of it. <laughs> So, in your words, what is this film about? Oh, boy. It is about the start of the end times, according to a weird author who once wrote, uh, read the book of Revelation and said, this is, this is the weirdest shit ever. I'm going to write a series about it. <laughs> yeah, because I hadn't realized, but this is actually based on a novel, isn't it? It's yeah, so it's based on a, ser- a series. So I think there's five or six books altogether. Uh, so, and it, this is actually a remake of a sort of a remake. Uh, okay. They did a movie back in the early 2000s with. Oh, sh- um, Don't Kirk think we've Cameron. had it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's oh, this movie's bad, but it's so great. Yeah, it, it, it does. It's probably not to the same level of maybe The Room, which I think has got cult oh. status as being yep. so bad it's good. Mm-hmm. It's not to that level. Nick Cage didn't have to do a lot of acting. Uh, he's not terrible in it, 
But like, if you go in with the mindset of this is a really bad horror film, changes it. Yeah, I wish I knew that in advance. So we got when I was watching it, I was probably about five minutes in, and I thought I'm gonna love this because it's gonna be schlocky as fuck. Uh huh. And then ten minutes later, I'm like, okay, this is not the film I thought it was gonna be, and it really does drag you down with it. I think. Uh-huh. So what's the opinion stateside of someone like Nick Cage? Because obviously we we have this perception in the UK of America enjoying these larger than life characters. And there's mm-hmm. no one more larger than life than Nick Cage on screen. How, how did you feel about him over your side of the, the world? Uh, Nick Cage is an interesting reputation because he's done a lot of just awful films. But every once in a while he'll... He'll have a good film. So he's got a pretty okay, he's pretty okay regarded around here. You go from this film and then he did, I mean, he did Mandy. I mean, that's a recent film, but that was a great, great movie. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing that one. Since we started this podcast, it's been on the list to watch. So I've refrained from watching it just because I wanted to watch it fresh and then do the podcast. But I'm a big fan of Andrea Riesberg, so... I am looking forward to that one. I also think like people really just love National Treasure. And I think that like that set him up because it has enough Americana in it to really appeal to all age ranges. Mm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when we watched it, we did question whether or not it probably works better in America than it does in the UK, because Mm -hmm. it is very uh, rah-rah America, isn't it? And it does... It holds your country in a different light to how we might actually see it. So right. I did also wonder whether or not that was a bit of a, a national a national treasure of America. For, you know. A little bit. So how did your wife feel having to watch um, Left Behind again? Was she, was she okay with it? Or? Um, she was not. She didn't really have a choice. I'm like, listen, we have to rewatch this movie just to rem- remind ourselves how bad it was. And yeah. She was okay with it. Um, she had more of a running commentary on it than I did, which is pretty interesting. If they weren't so over, like, heavy-handed with the whole aspect of, like, this is the start of the end times, according to this book that was written, mm. ugh, it wouldn't be that bad. Or if they put a little horror twist on it, it would have been great. Because I don't know... This movie doesn't serve a point. At the end, they're just standing there, like staring around i will say that when nick cage's son like disappeared i was so happy because he was awful he was an awful actor yeah didn't miss him at all i was glad he was gone yeah it it did seem to take the annoying dickheads okay great that's right we're in a better world now to be honest yeah yeah i don't think that was the message they intended to get across unfortunately so thank you very much for your time today todd really appreciate it Yeah, this was fun, Andy. Thanks for having me. Any time at all. So that's just a sneak preview of what is to come next week on the podcast. And so for this week, (laughs) Stuart, would you like to say goodbye? Don't drive angry. (laughs) Matt, would you like to say goodbye? Todd, you might be left behind after that. (laughs) (laughs) Take it easy, guys. Stay safe. And it's goodbye from me. And remember, be excellent to each other. Yes, I should be. Good Lord, what is happening in there? Aurora Borealis. Uh, Aurora Borealis. At this time of year, at this time of day, in this part of the country, localized entirely within your kitchen. Yes. <laughs>